Good morning, Connect Church. Happy Sunday, and we're glad to be in the house with you. Would you stand with me this morning before we get started with worship today? We're going to be singing some songs today that all have a central theme of lifting God, lifting Jesus' name high. There are a lot of things on this earth that can take our attention at surface level. There are a lot of things that seem to be higher than anything else, higher than any sort of circumstance, higher in power, higher in priority, higher in importance, higher in need or want or desire. But I want us to take a moment to prioritize focusing on him first and foremost today, lifting him up above all things, setting our eyes, turning our eyes to the heavens, to the one thing that matters more than anything else on this earth. So why don't we bow our heads and pray together today before we start to worship. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we lift you high above everything else, God, above everything else that could steal our gaze, that could steal our attention, that could steal our focus, God. Let us be singularly, have our singular attention on you and on you alone, God. God, we thank you for not just being a God that wants to be high above all, but that is intrinsically and inherently high above every circumstance and situation on earth and in heaven alike, God. You have dominion over all, God. It is in you we trust. It is in you we hope. It is in you we proclaim and declare and believe, God, that you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing, God. You are all-loving, Jesus. It is in you today that we trust and obey, and we love you today, God. Together we pray, amen. 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 God, we lay ourselves low before you today, God, so that you may be lifted all that much higher above our humanity, Jesus. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Jesus, you alone. 
the breath you gave with our breath. We give it all back, Lord. I won't let the rocks cry out in my veins. They won't go on company, Lord. We return the breath you So we lift you. 
words, your own song to him this morning. We lift you high, we magnify you, we beautify you, we glorify you, we lift you high, church when we say that name Yahweh means I am that I am I am I'm present I'm powerful enough I'm able I'm willing I'm good I'm kind he is our peace our banner he is our righteousness, our sanctifier. He is the appeasement of the wrath of the Almighty. He is and was and forever shall be. We're not just saying a name. We're invoking a presence. There's something stirring in this room. There should be something stirring in our hearts when we mention the name. The name of Jesus. The name of I Am. The name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is able. I love the fact that he is not just the God that will be. Because I think at times in Christianity, we only think about the kingdom in the context of what's coming. Someday we'll get to heaven. Someday I'll be healed. Someday it'll be good. Someday I'll be free of pain. Someday, but that same God of the someday is the same God of the today. He's here. And it's not because we're good enough. We're not. It's because He is. So will you pray with me right now just as we call out to Him? And, and if you're in need of a breakthrough, if you're in need of a miracle, if you're in need of that God of the today to be a God that is a God of the miraculous, the supernatural, the healer, the provider, the one who is Yahweh Yirah, the provider, why don't you lift up your hands? Why don't you call out from your heart Daddy, in the name of Jesus, we exalt you. Father, we give you glory and honor and power and praise. You are the I am. You are the forever God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You will never change. You are not a man that you should lie. There is no weapon that the enemy can form against us that has the right to prosper over your name.
And so we come against sickness and cancer and diabetes and disease in the name of Jesus. We, we come against poverty and, 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 and pain and depression and suicidal thoughts and addiction in the name of Jesus. Hopelessness and helplessness in the name of Jesus Christ. You and you alone are the God of heaven. You reign on high. Our circumstances do not determine who we are. Who you are determines our circumstance. Come and move, Jesus. We're not here to have a good church service. We're here to be in your presence and the truth of it all. To shake us, to stir us, to change us, transform us, and reveal yourself to us. Let your name be magnified. Yahweh, Yahweh be magnified. Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua be magnified. Hagia Sophia, the Spirit of the Almighty God, come and be magnified. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. May the whole earth, including our lives, including this church, be filled with your glory. We trust you. We trust you. So we say, my King, let it be done for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody in faith together said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God one shout of glory? Just praise Him for a miracle that maybe is in your life or a friend's life right now. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, good morning, Connect Church. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm excited to be with you guys today. I'm excited to be in the house. I'm so glad you're in the house. And how, many, how many people are excited for beautiful weather? I got sunny, I'm loving it, it's great. I know, Pastor John, you're like, this is like, this is the doorstep, this is the threshold to summer. You're almost there, bro. So close. So, close. so close. Which is one season away from the best season, which is fall. Someone say amen. Thank you, hallelujah. You're saved and you're saved and we'll pray for you later. Oh, hey, look, it is so good to have you in the house today. There's something powerful about being together. Can I really encourage you? I know we say it a lot, but the Bible is clear that when two people come together, like we're not here just to have a, a great service, that there's something that's supernatural in the room. The Bible says when two people touch something in agreement, the Father's there in the midst of that. When two come together in the name of Jesus, do we have more than two that have come in the name of Jesus? That he's here. What a great, what a great moment. Church isn't just about the, the type of music that we play or the type of style of sermon that we preach. Church is really just about elevating the Savior. His name's Jesus. So I hope that's why you're here today. And if you don't know him yet, we're going to, today is about helping you see just who he is even a little bit better. All of us. It doesn't matter. What, you know what I love about church? We're all on a journey. And we're all in different places. And it doesn't make some better and some worse. It's just we're all on the journey. So no matter where you are on the journey, welcome. If this is your first or second time, welcome to Connect. Thank you for being our guest today. We pray you make this your church home. Pray that you get connected and plugged in here. And if you're online today, we love you. Thank you for checking in, being a part of this. Man, the same God that's here is the same God that's with you as well. And we're just celebrating. We know that there's people traveling and people who are still, my, I know my, I'm praying for my wife, Danielle. Pastor D is, is home today. She's like, pollen got her, man. Like, they, they, 
I don't know what it was yesterday. There's like this, anybody? Like, the, it's crazy out there. It's like a green. In New Jersey, if your car is not naturally green, it will be. Just give it a day or two. But, man, we, 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 are, we are really appreciated that you're online today as well. We're believing God's going to move there. Well, church, look, we really do believe that church is a family. And that this time is a time to get to know one another just for a few moments. So as you're finding your seat, before you find your seat, why don't you just turn to a few people who are around you. Just give them a, a high five or a fist pump. Say hi. Say good morning. Get to know them just for a second. Ask them what their favorite cereal is. Find out what their favorite donut is. There's only one donut. It's Boston cream. Amen. That's wrong. My son just came up and said that's wrong. You're 12. You know nothing. Jake, what is your favorite donut, bro? You don't have one. All right, whatever. Make me feel bad about myself. I don't eat donuts. I'm healthy. No, no, no. You know, it's all right. Put your dad down on stage. It's fine. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. Guys, there is so much going on in the life of church uh, and in your lives. Because when I say the life of church, I'm not talking about meetings in a building. I'm actually talking about opportunities to get to know Jesus and worship him at different ways. So when we say there's so much going on at church, it's not about so much activity. It's about so many opportunities to know him better. And I know when I, when I was growing up, I would hear that where there's so much going on at church, and I'd get freaked out because I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's, I, know, I know the pastor's going to ask me for a Monday night and then a Tuesday night, and then there's prayer meeting on Wednesday, and then we got Bible study on th- anybody. Bible study, I, got some, I grew up with Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church. We had choir practice somewhere during the week. Come on, there was a Bible study going on. I was at church all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about different opportunities. To worship God in different ways. And one of the best ways that you can worship God is through baptism. And uh, I know it's been a while since we've been able to have baptism here. Um, And so in uh, just a few weeks, on May 22nd, it's only a couple Sundays coming up from now, uh, we're going to be doing baptism here in the service. It's going to be a phenomenal morning. So, look, I already know we have a, a, a number of people who have already signed up. If you haven't signed up yet... Why don't you just hop on the link tree and, uh, and, and sign up for it? The Bible is clear. There's, you don't need to be baptized to be saved, right? Because we are saved by grace apart, apart from any work. The thief on the cross was saved and never did one work. They get baptized, didn't take communion. So what is it? It's an outward expression of an inward act. It's standing up in front of everyone and saying, you know what? I'm all in, Jesus. That old life is done. I'm all about the new one. And I'll tell you what, there's, the Bible, not only does the Bible call us to be baptized, but there's something powerful about it. And then maybe you've been baptized as a child um, by the faith of your parents. We honor that. That's fantastic. But I want to I maybe encourage you to, to step out on your own faith and be baptized. Uh, and so I know people have asked me before, can I be baptized again? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Like, If you want to make a commitment for God, yes. Like, let's go for it. It's going to be a great day. And you know why we're doing it in service is the same reason we do worship in service. The same reason that we do preaching in service. And the same reason we do communion in service. Why? Because this is about discipleship and worshiping Jesus. It's not an outside moment. It's an inside moment. So we have that. It's going to be great. Uh, Also, one last thing that I want to really encourage you about. 
We, you, many of you have heard uh, that we have, you know, we have a mobile food truck that delivers food um, all the time. Uh, and uh, I can't even, I think, I don't, last, I think just last month, we gave almost 1,100 meals away. Um, we had 19 people come to make decisions for Jesus. And I mean, it's just kind of the way that it is every month. But in order to do that, we actually need to continue to uh, get, get increase financially. Um, because how many of you know, if you've gone to the grocery store lately, like potatoes are like $700, right? Potatoes, you used to be able to get like 900 for a dollar. They're like $7 million now. It's just, it's just, it's just what it's going to cost. But we are dedicated. Because I know this. If we who can afford the potatoes are feeling the crunch, how much more does that single mom or single dad feel the crunch? And so we, we're, we, we are doing this, about, we're, this is about love and community. It's not about building and growing the church. It's about being the church. And so well, we have a silent auction coming up online. It's easy on May 15th. This is just one of the prizes that will be there, or one of the things you, get, you can bid on. And we're looking for more things to be able to come in, maybe through your workplace or your friends' places, or at least let people know that we're going to be doing this. But this is a 76ers gift bag. By the way, 76ers are rolling. Someone say amen, right? There's like a cool hat in here. There's like a T-shirt. We got like the bumper sticker magnets. Bumper sticker. That's old school. Bumper sticker. Uh, bumper magnets. Whatever. Car magnets. What are they called? I don't know. We've got a Joel Embiid jersey. Someone has to be praying for Joel because he's got a busted up face and we need him in this. These are all these little things. Listen, the Bible says freely we've received, freely give. Freely we've received, freely give. There's going to be everything on there from $5 to $5,000. Find something, find a friend and let them know because every dollar for us has a face on it. Every dollar has a face on it. Face of a little kid, face of a single mom, face of a dad who's working three shifts just to actually try to provide for his family. Amen? That's what we're about. Jake, can you take this really quick? Awesome. Oh, and let me just encourage you. Because there is a lot of stuff going on, pay, keep uh, paying attention to social media. Um, as you can tell, the, so, the, the parking lot is uh, starting to go. We're starting to build in the middle section in the next little bit. Pay attention to social media, all of our social media accounts, maybe even especially this week, might be some uh, exciting stuff uh, happening you don't want to miss out on. So talking about exciting stuff, are you ready for the word? Yeah. I'm ready for the word today. I am ready, ready, ready for the word. So since you brought your Bible, can you open with me to Matthew chapter 27? Matthew chapter 27. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew is a disciple of Jesus. He was once a tax collector. Come on, he was once part of the, 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 the mafia of the time, the gangs of the time. Why I'm so encouraged about that, because in our minds, like when I, I love to go to old churches, when I travel, and uh, Danielle loves when I, is <laughs> sending me to old churches, sending me to old churches when I travel, and you see like all the, the, they just have halos. Like Matthew's painted with a halo. No, he wasn't that way. He was like you and I. He was someone who had a checkered past, who had lots of reasons not to follow Jesus, but what it shows me is this, that God can use anybody. 
that no matter how far you and I have walked away from God, messed up in our life, misstepped in the things that we've done, said, or thought, that there is a second chance. We, have a, we serve a God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, and our God is not done with you yet. No matter what seat you're sitting, he was sitting in a tax collector's booth, Jesus showed up and everything changed. And I'm believing for that today. It doesn't matter where, how you've come into sitting where you're sitting, it matters what you decide from this point forward. If you're looking for a title to the message today, it's shake, rattle, but don't roll. We're going to shake, rattle, and roll. We're going to shake, rattle, and roll. Thanks, Margo. We're going to shake, rattle, and roll. No, no, no. All right, right, we'll stop. Look, how many of us can agree today that there seems to be a lot of shaking going on in our world today? Everywhere we look, every time we turn on the television, every notification that gets pushed to you seems to be an announcement that there's something shaking. We're being shaken in our global world with invasions and genocides and missile testing and uncertainty in the China Sea. We're being shaken in our economy with gas prices increasing and food increases and job insecurity. We've been shaking in relationships Because in this season, it seems to be that there are people who used to walk with you who are no longer walking with you any longer. People who you, if you're like me, maybe thought were going to be sojourners for the rest of your life together. And now are vacant and nowhere to be found. There's shaking going on. There's certainly shaking going on in our political arenas. It doesn't seem like any of the sides have ever been further apart than they are right now. They're shaking going on. There's four generations of living together in this collision of trying to figure out who's right, who has the right culture, who is right on ethics, who, what is the proper speech we all should have. How many of you know, come on somebody, if you're a baby boomer, the way that you grew up talking is different, come on, than a millennial. There's this collision, there's this shaking, what's going on even in the Global church. We're seeing pastors and people be blindsided. Sometimes they're the blindsiders. We're seeing communities of faith all over the planet struggle. In American church, we're seeing church people not come back to church after the pandemic. There seems to be a lot of shaking And a lot of rattling going on. But my friends, can I encourage you? It is not a time to roll. It's a time for a deeper revelation of God. It's a time when God wants to have a deeper revelation of who he is. Of intimacy with him. Of holiness. Of who he has created you and I to be. When he actually formed you together in your mama's womb and spun you and breathed life into you. He had a purpose and a plan for you to actually walk with him in discipleship and in holiness. There are things God wants to do in us and through us that we need to understand at a deeper level than ever before as the ecclesia as the church that's what that word is which simply means a common group of people moving in a common direction for a common cause there is a deeper revelation of jesus that we need right now because in the shaking when we roll out or peace out we not only miss the abundant life that jesus prayed uh, uh, paid for in the sense of peace and wholeness that only the Holy Spirit 
can bring into our lives. But even more importantly, we miss a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ than we ever have seen before. Than we've ever seen before. I know this. When the shaking began, Jesus didn't roll out. He geared up. And when he geared up, he geared up so that people could see who he was in a way that they never understood him before. And you may be saying, Pastor, you don't understand me. I've been walking with Jesus since I was little. I know who he is. My God is an infinite God. I don't care if you and I have been walking with him for a hundred years. We know a thimble in a vast ocean of the vastness of who our God is. There's a problem. Some of us have become so mature in the way of our theology, so mature in the way of our practice of Christianity and church life that we've forgotten that there's a deeper revelation of Jesus. It's not about being a better Christian. It's about understanding a deeper God. So we're we're going to just look at one verse today. Just one verse, just one verse. And you know I rarely do that, but it's one verse. Because it's after Jesus has given up the spirit, after he has died on the cross, there's this amazing moment that happens. And it says, so when the centurion, verse 54, and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake. You can underline that. You can highlight that. Saw the earthquake. And the things that happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Let me just put this in perspective for a moment. They had just beaten him, mocked him, gambled for his clothes, drove nails in his hands and his feet, thrust a spear into his side, all without remorse. But something happened. But something changed in their heart in the midst of the shaking. And my friends, that's my prayer for us today, all of us. That something changes in the midst of our shaking. If you've been going through some shaking, if you're experiencing some shaking, if you've just come out of some shaking, you may be headed into some shaking. My prayer for you is that the heart and the heartbeat of God towards you is that something changes in our hearts about how we see God in the midst of the shaking. The centurion realized that Jesus in that moment was not a grand deceiver nor was he deceiving himself. But Jesus was who he said he was, the son of the living God. I wonder how much would change in our life if we simply took Jesus at his word. You know, there's that old bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That bumper sticker's a lie. God said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not affects my life. I think the first thing that you and I need to grab a hold of this morning in the shaking is this. The shaking that you and I are experiencing may not be caused from the source that we're blaming. <laughs> Come on, when things start to shake in your life, our default mechanism is to blame the devil. We start casting things out, rebuking stuff, right? Calling fire down from heaven. We get out the anointing oil. We're anointing every door, clothes, car. You walk into anointing oil, you sprinkle it on your boss. He's like, what are you doing? Right? We're, we're rebuking. Here's my question. What if it's not him? I mean, don't get me wrong. 
We understand that the word says that he has schemes against us. He's scheming against your life, your family, your walk with God. Ephesians 6.11 tells us that we have to put on the whole armor of God. Why? So we can make our stand against the enemy's schemes. He's got schemes. And the truth is, when we fall into those schemes, many times the results are that things start to fall apart. Relationships struggle. The hold of our addiction, no matter what it is, tightens, strengthens. We self-soothe more. We even may grow cold in our heart and our love towards God. It's just truth. But I think the thing that we have to wrestle with this morning, what I want to encourage you with today, is that we have to understand there's a difference between the shaking that comes from sin and the shaking that is caused by the Holy Spirit. When we give in to the schemes of the enemy, we fall into sin. And there are consequences. Can someone say, man, there's consequences, right? It's not that God hates you. There's natural consequences to things, right? And sometimes in those natural consequences, if we're honest, we feel like our lives are falling apart. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe everything's shaking, nothing's standing any longer. But there really is an answer for that. It's called repentance. The Bible simply says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, right, repent, I will heal their land. It's a promise. So when we fall into those things, the result should be repentance. But when we are in the midst of God shaking things in us and around us, the result will always be a deeper revelation. That's why, that's why the centurion turns and goes, truly, he is the son of God. There's a deeper revelation. So if you are in the midst of some, some shaking right now, and the Holy Spirit is shaking and stirring and sifting some things in you, there should be an amen that's coming from you. Because the reality is he's not looking for you to repent. He's looking to give you a deeper revelation of who he is that you've never known before. What a beautiful God we serve that would love us enough to shake whatever he needs to shake out of us so he can actually get more in us. What a God. The truth is, however, many times it's in the obedience that the shaking comes. It was actually, it was when Jesus was obedient to surrendering his will and dying on the cross that brought the shaking. See, my friends, the thing we're talking about here, the shaking, it wasn't a natural occurrence. It was not the result of tectonic plates shifting as a result of continental drift underneath the city of Jerusalem or some fault line suddenly shifting. It was the precise movement of God at the precise timing of God to produce the precise, precise revelation of God. Let me say it again. It was the precise movement of God at the precise timing of God to, re to reveal, come on, to produce the precise revelation of God. That's why there's times in our lives when everything seems like it's going great and we're living our best life. In the next moment, things are beginning to shake because my God is trying to reveal something to you. Oh, he may have used the tectonic plates and the fault lines to do his bidding, but don't get it twisted. It was a purpose, precise shaking done by the hand of God. That's why Hebrews 12, 27 basically says this. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Why? So that those things that shouldn't be shaken will remain. God's saying, I'm going to shake some stuff up in your marriage. 
And we're like, well, hold on. It's, it's pretty good, God. I'm, I'm, we're pretty good. We're going to church together. I'm going to shake some stuff up in your marriage. I'm going to shake some stuff up at your workplace. I'm going to shake some stuff up in your kids' lives. Hold on now. I'm going to shake some stuff up because you, you, you've been comfortable for too long. There are some things that need to be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken are the things that remain. I'm praying for that in my life. I'm praying that the shaking that I'm going through is not useless. I'm praying that the shaking, that when I get through it, actually has a building result in my life. I don't want to just be shaken for the fact of being shaken. I don't want to be like 007's drink, shaken, not stirred. I want, I want to be, come on. I, want, I know my God is a God of purpose. My God is a God of planning. My, my, my God is a God of movement. My God is a God of forward thinking. My God is a God of regeneration. My God is a God of reproduction. My God is a, our God is a God of power. So I know there's got to be a purpose behind the shaking. The truth is I think many times we have to understand God uses natural things for supernatural purposes. Sometimes it's in losing our job that we actually discover our mission. Sometimes God will surprise you with a pregnancy <laughs> because he needs you to know him better as a parent. Uh, sometimes, sometimes God will put an extra grace requiring person. Anybody have an extra grace requiring person in your life? Uh-huh. Hey, you may be someone who's raising their hand right now. Just saying. He may put an extra grace-requiring person in your life just to reveal to you and I how much grace he needs to have towards you and I. Because we're his extra grace-requiring person. He uses natural things for supernatural purposes. It's like your mama saying to you, uh, yeah, I hope you have one just like you when you grow up. And you're like, thanks, mom. She's like, it ain't a compliment. God had to shake the centurion off his established paradigm, off his common ground that he had been standing on for so long. See, soldiers were taught that ground matters, terrain matters. Good ground could either win or lose a battle. So for him, the ground mattered. So God. So God said, I'm going to change your paradigm. What once was stable beneath your feet in one moment I'm going to shake the next moment. Why? Because I have to reestablish. I have to shake you so that I can move you into a deeper revelation, a different paradigm of who I am and who I should be in your life, a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. He was reestablishing the ground. He was reestablishing the ground. This man had been on the hill, but God wanted to move him and put his feet on the rock. A lot of us, like the centurion, have been standing on the hill around the cross. We've been watching the cross. We've been seeing the things that are on the cross. We've been on the hill for a long time. My God is going to shake the ground because he wants to reestablish and move your feet off the hill and put it onto the rock. 
I love the story that my wife Danielle tells about a moment when she was in college. <laughs> this is awesome. This is a true story, by the way. And uh, there was a really loud explosion sound outside, and instantly the, 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 the sky became deep purple. I mean, deep purple all around them. So her whole dorm ran outside, and they're staring up in the sky, this purple sky. And all of a sudden, as if on cue, some people start to repent. They're confessing every sin they've ever done out loud. Like, oh, God, forgive me. for I was over there last night. I'm at the club. Oh, God, forgive me. Some falling to their knees, crying. Some worshiping Jesus. Some started to jump, right, because they went to a Christian college. They thought it was the rapture. Jesus was coming back. All that it was was that the Limerick power plant just down the road had exploded. But it was a revealer of what was really in, the, in their heart. It was a revealer of what ground they were really standing on. Sometimes God begins to shake us because that it's a revealer of the ground we're really standing on. I think the question is, why do we wait for those times to respond the way that we respond? I think we wait for those times because it's in the shaking that we have a clarity on who he is and who we're not. And God's purpose in life is to get us into this deeper revelation. Did you notice in the word, it says, when they saw the earthquake. When they saw the earthquake. I love that Greek word for saw. It doesn't just mean to see something. It means to experience it and to know it. Like they didn't just watch something happen, they went through it. Come on, somebody. How many of you know there's a difference between watching somebody who's sick go through what they're going through and experiencing it yourself? God says, look, they saw it. They began to experience the shaking inside of them, and it caused them to fear. The shaking brought them to an uncommon place. It broke down their machismo. It shattered their persona. It challenged who they thought they were. Come on, Roman soldiers afraid? Roman soldiers aren't the ones that are afraid. Roman soldiers are the ones that made everyone else afraid. They were used to using fear as a tool, a mechanism to help them win. But now they were on the opposite side of that because they got a revelation of who they really weren't. And who God really was. Do you know that in order to be a centurion, he would have already had to survive multiple battles? He's a survivor of battles. Fear had been something that had helped him. Now it's haunting him. Because God had to take him to an uncommon place. I think the truth is sometimes, very often, we need to see something different in order to carry a different revelation. We need to see something different. Sometimes we have to see a friend walk away for us to have a different revelation of what a healthy relationship really is. Hey, can I just tell you, sometimes you've got to stop texting him back. So, I'm going to just say it again. Sometimes you've got to stop texting them back. Because there's sometimes... That we need to see someone walk out so that we understand what health actually looks like. Come on, we have to see sometimes the brokenness that can happen in life so that we can carry a different 
revelation of what wholeness really is. Not goodness, wholeness. Not what culture says is right, but what God proclaims is hell. Sometimes we have to see, the, see a world with a church in turmoil so that we can understand the value of the revelation of us living as the church. Man, I, I, I've heard so many people, I wish the church, I wish the church, I wish the church. I do too, and so does God. The reality is that when we begin to understand, I wish the church, I wish the church, it might be God shaking us off of common ground and getting us onto his ground. We need to see something to carry something different. Jesus says in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp unto the body. When your eye is filled with light, your whole body will be healthy. But man, when you begin to gaze at the dark stuff, when you begin to gaze and only see the negative, only see the critical, only see what people aren't doing, only see cancer, cancel culture, everything in your body gets dark. you got to see something different, to carry something different. Dee and I have been into gardening lately. We've been into gardening for the last year and a half. And I walked in the other day, and Danielle was watching a video of one of our favorite YouTubers. Her name's Laura, Garden Answer. She's fantastic, right? And uh, I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, um, I'm watching a video, obviously, on how to grow plants. Because they don't make videos about how to kill plants. Because we do that naturally. So I watch video. She loses. So I'm watching this video to help me learn how to grow something I don't know how to grow. And I was like, oh God, that's going in my sermon on Sunday. Yes, I don't need to know how to mess up my life. I got that down pat. I don't need to see more examples of what addiction does, what hopelessness does, what, what negativity would do. I don't need to listen to everyone's negative, critical. I know what it does. I need a revelation of what wholeness looks like. I need a revelation of what God's love looks like. I need a revelation of what grace actually can look like. I need a revelation of what loving my neighbor looks like. I know how to mess up my life. Sometimes he's got to shake me to get off my common ground of knowing how to mess up my life to get on uncommon ground of holiness. In church over the last years, we have been trying. We have been inundated. We have been persuaded to teach people how to make this common ground better. All the while, God is saying, get off the common ground and into uncommon holiness. Give me the five steps, Pastor, to make sure where I'm standing feels better. Tell me where I'm standing is okay. I heard someone say the other day, stop telling people that they're fine the way that they are. It's one of the most depressing things someone can hear. Because although outwardly we we present ourselves as having it all together, We know inside we're broken, we're lonely, we're hurting, we're depressed, we're sad. And what you're saying to someone when you say that to them is that is the way they're always going to be. Tell them there's an answer and his name's Jesus. 
But if the picture we're painting is the, the ground you're on is fine, let me tell you how to make it better. Instead of saying the ground you're on needs to be shaken. The ground that you're on needs to be split apart. The ground that you're on needs to cause you to stumble so that you get off the commonplace, come on, and get uh, uncommonplace and get on the commonplace of holiness. The truth is, the centurion, though, had to understand the jeopardy of clarity. What do I mean by that? He knew that this revelation would put certain things in jeopardy. His career, his social status, what the guys thought of him in the locker room. I don't know if they had locker rooms, but you know what I mean. For Rome, they could have killed him. He had just gone over to an illegal religion. He just was glorifying a traitor to their nation. But the shaking, my friends, had reestablished a new ground that he was standing on. Maybe, maybe that's what God is talking about in Romans 8, 28, when he said he works all these things together for our good. Because when I'm shaken, even though there's a cost to it, even though there's a, there's a jeopardy of losing some things in my life, I know this, that he is working all those things together to put me on ground I've never stood on before. That's the good. D and I get it. God started shaking us a while ago about discipleship, about American Christianity, about the gospel we had preached, about justice, about cultural relevance versus spiritual significance, about changing church and keeping it closed until the new was built. Not just this new, this new was built. And we knew there was jeopardy to it. But this is what I know. The price will never outweigh the peace. There is a peace in Jesus Christ that passes all understanding. The price will never outweigh the peace. And I think this is the reality that we've been talking about, this collision where we've been talking every week about the difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Because in these moments of shaking, we respond very differently. Believers are looking for relief from the shaking. But disciples are looking for the revelation of Jesus in the midst of the shaking. We run because we want relief. Believing that the relief will, be, will bring us peace. But most of the time when we run, we don't find peace. What we find is compromise. A place where the pain becomes bearable and the price is not too high. Compromise is simple. It's the place where the pain becomes manageable and the price is not too high. But the truth is, in that process, we become like Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. He says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. He runs to a place called Joppa. Joppa means seems fair to him, seems right to him. He, didn't, he wasn't leaving God. He wasn't peacing out on God. He wasn't like, I'm out of here, God. Do you know what he was saying? He said, God, I'm okay if we're okay with a place that seems better to me. I'm going to go to a place that seems fair in this life with what you're asking out of my life. He didn't know he was on the way to being shattered. He didn't know he was on the way to destruction. He only understood compromise. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves 
is why would God give relief from that which he is trying to use to reveal himself to us? Why would God bring relief to something he's trying to reveal himself? It's the tool. It's like standing outside the walls of Jericho and God shaking Jericho to only the top part of the walls fall off and then he stops shaking. I don't know about you, but I'd be out there like, God, you got to keep shaking. Keep shaking. I wonder how many of us, come on, are crying out, God, the walls of my obstruction of faith are still there. Keep shaking. God, there's still some attitudes in my life that hinder our closeness. Keep shaking. God, there's still some unhealth in my relationships that I'm having. Keep shaking. Oh, God, there's still some stuff inside my belief system that is keeping me from holiness. God, keep shaking. We understand why we would do it at Jericho, but have we made the choice to be able to do it now in our Jericho? Why would he give it up? He loves us too much to stop short. And this is what we've got to understand, maybe not preach very well in modern American Christianity. But here's the challenge. There's a shaking that remains. That remains. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, for three seasons... Three different times in my life, periods of time, I prayed, I fasted, I cried out to God to remove this thorn that's in my flesh. And you know what God said? Um, my grace is sufficient for you. No, God, I don't think you understood. This thing's killing me. Uh-huh, my grace is sufficient. God, this thing is driving me crazy. I know my grace is sufficient. What's interesting to me is that he was doing that to the preacher of grace. Paul is the preacher of grace. Why would he have to keep revealing him more and more, making him rely more and more on grace? Obviously, if any of the apostles understood grace, it was Paul. But man, do you know how easy it is to get sidetracked off of grace? Do you know how easy it is for you to be persuaded to go back to a legalized Christianity? To move off of the love of God just a little. So God said, Paul, you're going to keep being shaken and shaken and shaken so that you see grace every time you wake up. So you see grace every time you look in the mirror. So you see grace every time you see that person. Because my people need grace more than anything. And in that moment to Paul, he was revealing a God who is a sustainer even when we simply want God to be a healer. For some of us, he needs to reveal new ground that I'm a sustainer even when all you want from me is for me to be a healer. There's shaking that remains. There's shaking that recedes. It, it goes in stages. Do you remember Acts chapter 16? Paul and Silas are thrown in jail for preaching. They're up worshiping at midnight. What's the Bible say? There was a shaking in the jail. The chains fall off. The doors are opened up. You're like, yes, sir, I'm out of here. Nope. God said, not yet. You may have some personal freedom, but it ain't time for your exit out of the shaking yet. Because there was a jailer that needed a revelation of Jesus. There was a jailer that needed a revelation of Jesus. Oh no, there's a, there, there was a, there, see, 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 they needed to understand that God is a God of the immediate and the God of the process. 
We want God to be the God of the immediate, but there's a God of the immediate who's also the God of the process. If you are still in process, my friends, look for your jailer. Look for your jailer. If you're in the process, there's a jailer that God is trying to get a deeper revelation of himself for. You may be free, but it ain't time for your exit yet because there's some more shaking that God has to do because he loves the jailer just like he loves you. I'm all right with it. God, if you need to keep shaking me because there's more people that need to know you, keep shaking. Because I'm not in it for my comfort. I'm in it for your cause. But I love my God that there's a shaking that brings release. Mark chapter 1, Jesus sees a a man who's demon-possessed. He gives him the word. He says, the word says, come out. And then the man is shaken and then set free. Come on, how many of us know sometimes we get the word and then we get shook? We get the word and then we get shook. But my God is a God even of those who are, in, who are de- debilitated. Don't get shook. Listen, don't get shook by the word and ghost on God. Let the Holy Ghost do the work God's trying to do when he's shaking you. Because like that boy, like that man, there's something inside of us that's been there for so long. There's a thinking that's been there for so long. There's a love that's been there for so long. There's a secret sin that's been there for so long. There's a self-soothing mechanism that's been there for so long. There's things ingrained in us that have been there for so long that when we hear the word, we get all shaken by it. And we want to run away from it. You've got to stay in it. You've got to let the word shake it out of you. Shake it out of you. Shake it out of you. When you come to those words in the word, the things that actually convict you, the thing that actually is feeling like it's pointing all ten fingers back at you, stay there. Stay there. I don't know about you, but those, those verses, I want to I flip through. Come on, God, get out of my business. Come on, God, I heard you. God, I've read that before. I've heard that sermon before. How many of you know sometimes, man, you get to that scripture and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I read that before. And then you turn on the, the, the radio and the podcast you just turned on, preaching about that. You come to church on Sunday, pastor's up here, preaching about that. It's not because God is angry with you. It's not because God's trying to condemn you. God's trying to release you. The word should shake you. So that the Holy Ghost can work through you. There's a shaking that restores There's a shaking that restores. That Jericho moment is a beautiful moment because for 40 years, the promise had gone unanswered. For 40 years, they'd waited. For 40 years, they've wandered. For 40 years, they were missing out. For 40 years, they were in heat and sand and sadness. And then the wall came down. And then God shook it apart. Because my God is a God that restores the years the locust have eaten. There are some of us in this room that God has said something to 40 years ago. That God had promised you 40 months ago. That God has spoken into your life 15 years ago. That there are things that you've been waiting for and you've watched people walk out. You've watched, you thought your answer leave. You've seen your hope 
torn down. And in a minute, all we need to know is that in the shaking that you're in, it may be a shaking of restoration. Because when God brings the walls down, my God is a restorer of those years the locusts have eaten. Joel 2.25 is a promise from God. He's not talking about how good the locusts are. He's saying how good of a restorer he is. He's not done with you yet. Because he is a God that will shake you to refocus you. We're almost done. I love the verse in Isaiah 6. When Isaiah, after prophesying for years, has this encounter with God. And it says, he, his eyes are opened up. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the threshold shook. And he said, I saw the God high and lifted high. I got a different revelation of God than I was carrying in my prophetic gifting before. See, you can be a prophet for years and still get a deeper revelation of God than you've ever had. And God says to him in the middle of this revelation, Hey, um, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, God, send me. Because God, God is a mission-sending God. God is a sender to the nation. He is a God who cares about others. He wants to get you and I on mission. Not just to have a prophetic voice that talks about our culture, but gets us on mission to bring the love of God to our culture. God is a God who's a mission-sending God. He's the God of mission and the God of mercy. And sometimes we got to be shaken out of our spiritual gifting so we can actually see a spiritual cause. She's bigger than us. But ultimately, my friends, all of it is to reveal Jesus. All of it. Matthew 28, verse 2 says, On that third day at the garden tomb, the earth shook and the stone was rolled away and Jesus was revealed. He is the Lord of the shaking, the stirring, the sifting, and the saving. He's been trying to reestablish us in new ground since we lost holy ground in the garden. And he will shake and rattle and roll you and I till we get the new revelation of who Jesus is that will cause us to get off of our commonplace and into uncommon holiness with him. I want to encourage you as we close. When you see the shaking, like the centurion, don't run. Stand. Stand. And when you've done everything to stand, the word says, stand. Just stand. Others ran, but the centurion stood. And he got a deeper revelation of Jesus than he ever could have imagined before. And when you're standing, here's what I'm going to encourage you. Don't Look away from the shaking. Don't look away. Dee and I have been convicted lately. We forced ourselves not to look away. Not to give excuses or to give rote kind of answers when we see the shaking in the global church or in our lives or in this church in our marriage or in our lives, not to look away. 
Not to look for blame or accusation, but to look for revelation. To look at ourselves. Where there's too much us and not enough him. Too many goals and not enough God. To look for ways we took advice from well-meaning people, but that had silenced in our ear the still small voice of God. Where we were convinced that growing church was the same thing as making disciples. Don't look away. Don't look away. It's okay. You may not like what you see in you, but he's the God of revelation because he's the God of transformation. There's no judgment. Did you notice when God shook the centurion, he did not judge him for tormenting him, mocking him, nailing him to the cross, thrusting his spear into his side. He didn't have any condemnation. He just had a revelation for that man because the only thing God cares about is us being transformed from who we are into a deeper walk with him. What I found in the shaking is there's a sweetness in the shaking. There's such a beautiful smile on the face of grace that I would have never seen if I would have just put my head down, trudged through, carried on, pulled myself up by the bootstraps, be a man, be the leader, just do it. All the things your soul was crying out, I would have missed the smile of grace, the sweetness of the shaking, if I hadn't stopped to look at his face. Stop. Stand. And see. There's a deeper revelation of Jesus than you've ever known before. I'm not promising you relief from the shaking, but I promise you, if you allow God to do it, there's changing in the shaking. There's hope in the shaking. There's life in the shaking. There's an old hymn. It simply says this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Where are your eyes today? Where's your eyes? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where are your eyes? What do you see? Don't run from the shaking. Stop, stand, and see. And taste and see that my God is good and that you will find his goodness in the land of the living. You may have years that the locusts have eaten. You may believe the lie. Because of that, it will never change. My God is a restorer of the years 
the locust have eaten. The, the devil does not determine my destiny. My God does. Remain, remain, remain until the shaking stops. Come on, let's pray. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. My friends, I don't know where you are today in your walk with God. I don't know if you've never had a moment where you've actually accepted him into your life. I'm not talking about coming to church or even having a Bible, maybe even singing a worship song or two. I'm talking about a moment where you've stopped like the centurion and recognized and vocalized, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, the Son of the living God. The Bible says if today you'll do that no matter where you are with God, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll confess his name with your, with your mouth, call him Lord and believe that in your heart that he died and rose again, today the Bible says you'll be saved. But maybe you've been in the middle of the shaking and maybe you like Jonah have started to go to places where you thought were fair and seemed right, and this is about the right kind of place, God, I think I should be. And God is shaking and shaking and shaking, and he's not shaking because he's angry, and he's not shaking because he hates you, and he's not shaking because he's mad at you. He's shaking you to get you out of the place where you are and into a deeper walk with him. And if that's where you are today, we're going to pray. And we're all going to pray together. But if you want to commit yourself to Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you want to step into a, a deeper walk with Him, not rely on works, not rely on your goodness, but actually depend on His goodness alone, pray from the bottom of your heart. Today may have been a shaking moment for you. Today, you may have come in because a friend brought you, your mom brought you, a cousin called you. You may have walked in or wandered in, but I'm, you are not here by accident. This is the precise timing of God for the precise movement of God to bring you into a precise revelation of God. Here you are. He's shaken. He's stirred. Now he's waiting for you to speak. If that's what you want, will you pray this with me from the bottom of your heart? Let's just pray together. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be, I give to you today. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your child. I choose today to live for you now and forevermore on this new ground that I will stand upon for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Can we give God some glory for lives that have been choosing? to be different today. Hallelujah.
Hey, my friends, listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says the angels in heaven are partying right now. God is rejoicing. We're rejoicing. I'm, I'm excited. If the shaking is what it takes to bring me to my knees so that I stop messing up my life, so that I stop breaking other people's lives, so I stop listening to that liar inside my own head, self-speak is one of the most detrimental things in our entire life. Shaking's what's needed so that I can know him better and love him more. Then I'm going to stand outside the walls of Jericho and say, God, keep shaking. Keep shaking. Keep shaking till the last stone falls. I'm going to pray that over your life. God, keep shaking till the last stone falls. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we want to help you take the next step because it's not just about salvation. We didn't just, Christianity is not just about making a decision to be saved. It's about making a decision to follow the Savior, be a disciple of the Savior. So we have discipleship groups here for men and women. You can find out more about them on any, any of the QR codes that are there. They meet all throughout the week. And they're really helpful. But right over here, this is Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick wrote uh, two books one for teens and one for those who are past our teen years. I was lifting some rocks yesterday, doing some gardening, and I turned to Dee and I said, I know one thing. She said, what? And I said, I know I'm not 20 anymore. Somebody say amen. I, yes, I was hurting. These books will help you. Easy reads will help you know who Jesus is. Will give you a different revelation of who you are in his eyes. Because too many of us Here, grace, we step into salvation through the door of grace, but then we try to walk out our life in works. And God is saying, come on. There's grace is the doorway. Grace is the pathway. Grace is the environment of our life. The sky above, the sea beneath. Grace is everything. Come and learn about the grace of God. We've got just one more thing to do before we leave today. Sharon's going to come up and just encourage us with our giving. Freely we receive, let's freely give. But can you give Sharon a hand as she's coming right now? Come on. Here's a woman who knows about shaking, but she trusts in our God. As Pastor Kyle said, I'm Sharon, and I'm here to encourage us in our giving this morning, which we can do in various ways. You could fill out the envelopes that are placed throughout the room and place them in the kiosks before on the way out. Uh, you can take an up-close picture of the QVR code, and it'll take you to the right page, and you can also give online. But whatever, whichever way you choose, um, we thank you in advance. Something I always keep in front of me in life is the Book of Acts. And I always hope that we, as believers in this era, reflect the faith and unity of the believers back in Acts, including this moment here. And when I think of us all giving together in church like this, um, it takes me to the parallel in Acts in chapters 2 and 4. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. So they gave generously to the cause of Christ out of great passion and worship, and let's do the same today and every week. All right. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of meeting together this morning and sharing our gifts. And it gives us great delight to steward it well for the purposes of your kingdom, for doing good on this earth. And Lord, we give today with gladness. We love you. Amen. I love Sharon's so brilliant. Sharon's uh, our CFO here, and she oversees everything for all of our ministries, and incredible. She gets the most out of every gift that you give. She gives the most. She, she, she does. We're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing that old hymn that I just said one last time before we go. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But when we sing it, can I encourage you? Make it the proclamation of your heart. Say, God, I'm going to turn my face towards you. God, I'm going to turn my face full and look full in your wonderful face. I'm not not going to give you side eye, God. I'm not going to give you half my attention. I'm not going to have multiple things going on right now. God, I'm just going to be silent in front of you and lift up my voice and see your face. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. face shine upon us. May the glory of your spirit go before us. May you order our footsteps and our coming in and our going out. In the midst of our shaking, God, help us to stand and to see, to not look away, 
so that we can know you more clearly, love you more dearly, Lord God. Stand with you now and forevermore. Now may the peace of our God go with each and every person in this room. May they carry a revelation of who you are, both now and forevermore, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Pay attention. Stay close to social media this week. Sign up for baptism. See us next week.